0: there's always been some part of me seeking connection, not sure what with or in what form, but just, you know, I'll know it when I feel it and the, and I knew that spirituality had something to do with it, but what I had actually experienced through going to church every Sunday was very clearly not it for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, so it just, and there was no one else around me in suburban New Jersey, at least no one I knew, who was practicing religion in a way that was enticing to me. And so I just kind of kept this thought in the back of my mind. You know, I read some Thich Han books in college and was like, this is amazing. You know, just watch yourself do the dishes and take steps and it'll change your life. But I also knew that with my current mind, in my current Scattered intellectual college time. I couldn't devote my life to that. I knew I kind of had to go to a practice place like the monastery, like TikTok Han's monastery that he mentioned. And so, sophomore year of college, I was deciding what I was going to do for the summer. And I'd actually done an acid trip with my friend. And he just half-handedly mentioned, oh, there's a monastery in Oregon. You should check it out. I think he said Buddhist. I don't even know if he said Zen. Mm. And when it was time for the summer, I remembered that I had just gone through my first big breakup. So, of course, it was like, what do I do with anything? And I just looked up like Portland Monastery Buddhism on Google, saw that they were doing a summer program and had no idea what it would be like. I didn't even meditate before I went there, but I just knew that I had to go there. I knew that there was something important for me in going there. And so I spent a summer there about 10 years ago. And, like, pretty much from the first day when they started talking about, we will contemplate the meaning of life and death, I was like, okay, this is the real stuff. Like, please just, you know, let me go through your. system or whatever and see where it goes and yeah it was just immense trust once you kind of find the the real thing to you
1: so what about that place or the things they had you doing or uh what was going through your mind and body and heart while you were there registered to you as zen like what was what was the zen part to you? If well, anything.
0: Yes, well, right, if you get to the meaning of Zen, which comes from the Chinese Chan and then the Sanskrit jhana, right, it means meditation, mm-hmm. right? And that is the primary thing, right? We don't, you know, we wake up really early, because we should be meditating all the time. And, you know, once a month, you know, there's a week long meditation retreat, where you don't look at anyone, and you spend hours and hours a day meditating, because, right, on some level, that is how according to this doctrine, you get to the meaning of reality. And I think something that appealed to me was the discipline in the schedule and that, oh, we're not just talking about our feelings. We're doing plenty of that, but we're also doing something that's hard, but not something that's not, you know, but it it doesn't get into the territory that I think I came in with, with like this inner critic, or I need to punish myself to be good, but just that Even if you do everything right, if you sit down and you feel fully prepared, you know, to be on the cushion, you know, any sort of dragons or demons can come up and all But just that all of it is allowed and you can't really ever do it wrong. Also, just that, you know, the way that they spoke about the world was so beyond the sort of dualistic, very like intellectual thinking that I was comfortable with and it challenged me. It was like, oh, there's so much more that I don't know. And my current ways of knowing aren't going to get me there. And that's really exciting to me mm. is that like, oh, then this connection that I seek, maybe that is also, you know, beyond the thoughts beyond, you know, what I've decided the world is.
1: Was there a point at which it was for you or there was a, this, this is for me feeling. and whether or not there was has that changed over time especially since you left
0: yeah so i think i mean i feel like you know my first week i kind of had that experience over and over um i think the first time i had it was when all of the new residents were being read the community guidelines and that bit i was telling you before of we will spend time contemplating life and death and Mm -hmm. that immediately got me excited there was this one moment where we were all having, you know, the kind of formal breakfast together. And at the end, you know, the, the teachers often begin speaking and there was like, you know, we're, we're in this cafeteria with the doors open cause it's summer and there's like a bird flying above. <laughs> and one of the teachers, who's like this gruff old man is like, there's a bird inside. He keeps flying up, but if he just flew down, he would leave. <laughs> and it was just like bits like that of just wisdom. Um, just applied to everyday life was just like, that's really interesting to me. I feel like people in monasteries tend to be primed for emotional vulnerability. So Mm -hmm. I was having a lot of really beautiful, like connective conversations with virtually everyone. Um, There's this one moment where I was sitting outside and this gruffle teacher came up and sat next to me and was just like, so how do you like it here? And I just started crying. I was like, this is great. I'm having such a good time. And it was just weird to sit next to an old white man and he didn't seem uncomfortable that I was crying. I think I did a lot of crying that first week and no one was weird about it. So that was definitely a green flag. Um, Yeah, I think that, and to answer, I guess, your second question of like, how has that changed? I think that I, always, I value so much the very specific experience of living according to practice, of spending all of your days either working for the monastery, learning something, meditating, right, continuous, you know, engagement, continuous mindfulness. And I mean, the foundation, right, it gave me going forward, especially as I'm not in that place is really valuable. But right, you can even see in the way I talk about this, Um, living in a monastery is a very specific way of life. And the reason I left um, was because there were things that I wanted to do in this world that I couldn't do, devoting my time to monasticism. And there's so many people who maybe come to the monastery wanting to be ordained. Something I've kind of realized is it's not really our decision. Mm. It's kind of, it she picks pert people based on who knows what sort of karma or cause and effect and if it works for them like that's really great um but you know people you know people at the monastery the higher-ups even talk about that the monastery can kind of become this like Comfortable nest for people Mm -hmm. who don't really want to leave because the life there is really meaningful, right? There's plenty of people coming in. There's retreats all the time. Your job as a resident is to host people. So you directly hear people saying, like, this changed my life and you supporting that, like made that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to just, right, really getting the pure, like distilled practice that comes from not having distractions. But then there's also, you know the question of sustainability of that where the the longest i've seen someone at this particular monastery live a full-time monastic life is 20 years mm-hmm.
1: it's not uh, bad. which is
0: a long time <laughs> not bad definitely but right he, there but he you know this was the person who was going to take over the monastery uh-huh. and then he had other things he needed to do when he left mm. um wow. which is right the monastery encourages that if that's what you're calling for but if there's still this kind of asterisk of well. You know life outside life you know la life as they call it is not as spiritually pure or it's not you're not getting to the source as easily or as frequently um i don't know there's maybe some truth in that but then i'm also thinking what sort of you know dualistic thinking is that already setting up Mm -hmm. of you know someone especially when Monastic life often excludes people with families or people who can't afford it, or anyone who has anyone relying on them in the outside world. like you have to like put in a lot of work if you're like an adult with a life to take time away. And so I think my main thing I'm thinking about is, right can like is there a new way to see awakening or realization that doesn't involve like the image of like a pr- a pristine monk, you know, a Dogen, you know spending his whole life celibate in a monastery? Because that's, I mean, knowing that I can do that or go there is important, but that's not where I or most people live their life. Mm -hmm. So then what? I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts, too, because I know this is something you also. Yeah, well, you
1: you know, I'm all about that householder life. Totally. I mean, the thing that the thing that you said that, like, really, really shook me was about how it's not your choice whether to ordain. Right. And I, I, of course like any Zen aspirant have had my moments of being Always. like, well, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and I never, I never got that far. Then, then like this, 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 the, the Sangha I ended up finding is really into Jukai for mm-hmm. lay people. And I realized that there was a way I could initiate in the lineage that stops short of entering the training monastery because that was never going to happen for me. And watching who it happened for in my life has also been very interesting. Um, mm. And also, and, and in both, I, I mean that in both the cases where it has been successful and the cases where it has been unsuccessful. Completely. I think that it has some the, like this, this sensitivity to calling. Mm-hmm. Is, is, a, is something that is cultivated in this practice because of the way that Zen practice is like a totalizing function in your life, mm-hmm. right? So like if yeah. you're called to wash dishes in the monastery for the rest of your life, you, th- that's a big difference from like being called to do something else but still getting a lot out of washing dishes in the monastery for a little while. And you have to sit with that to find out which one it is. And so Mm -hmm. even for people like you who do go to the monastery and sit with it for a while, the, the call becomes unmistakable at some point. Even if it's too late for some people, but I mean, it's not too late, you know, never too late. But what I mean is like, even if, Mm -hmm. even if 20 years have been spent thinking you're going to take over a monastery. Yeah. And that's quite a trip to go on to decide to leave. I I, I want to talk about like what calling you woke up to, but I actually first kind of want to hear like, what was leaving like? Like, what was what was it like to decide, and then what was it like mm-hmm. to actually walk out the door?
0: Okay, so so do you want to hear about the de- the deciding to leave because there was a very specific yeah, moment. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I think like you, I had you know kind of vaguely contemplated uh, ordaining. I also, that was also one of those things. Like the first summer at the monastery, I was like, I feel like I'm going to take Jukai, and mm-hmm. I did during my time at the monastery, mm-hmm. and that was extremely important to me. Um, And I actually took Kai after I decided I was going to leave, um, but I'd already Mm -hmm. been training. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically what happened was (laughs) when you live at the monastery, you are not allowed to enter a relationship until you're there a year. Mm -hmm. I had already been there a year, but there is a dude that showed up who I was like, oh, you're cute. Like you're kind of like he wasn't that special but I in that moment I was like just noticing like okay whatever like you're around and I'm like having feelings and then it's like I don't think I'm going to do anything about it but then I like have this dream where we're like lying in bed together and he's like when are we going to talk about us and I'm like I don't there's no us and he's like it's not up to you and I just woke up and I was like I'm kind of down bad. Wow. <laughs> and so I like very intentionally was like, I'm going to break a monastery rule and I'm going to tell him that I like him. And we're going to like have a little thing in the woods. Um, and it was very tame. It was like barely anything, but like we had feelings for each other. And I like told my teacher about it, like immediately after he was like kind of disappointed, but he was like, fine. Cause this person was leaving soon anyway. Um, and I think that kind of, and of course, this is also all around like eclipse season. So Mm -hmm. like, like this was happening in between like the total eclipse that hit Oregon. And then I just kind of, this made me realize like, oh, like I have a lot of like energy to give, like, you know, that, you know love to give that i can't really give in a place that has all of these rules and really i think related to that was also like my creative spirit and passion that i couldn't devote as much time to at the monastery though of course the monastery is the reason i could sort of unlock a lot of my creative blocks in the first place Mm -hmm. and so i just kind of had this moment of right in the next six months or so like i need to go and do these other things And the monastery is, you know, my monastery is extremely supportive of people, the way they put it, not running away from the work of the monastery, but running towards something else, which Mm -hmm. I really felt like I was doing. And so I felt very supported, but it was still kind of like going through a breakup. Mm -hmm. Like the last few weeks, I I would just like be in tears, like crying, missing this place and yeah, leaving, but you know, there was, it was never an indication that I shouldn't leave. Right. It was one of, because I've also seen the opposite where people leave after they should have mm-hmm. and they leave resentful mm-hmm. and they leave with a lot of hardness in their heart and a lot of criticism of the way the monastery is run, which I mean, every place, there's criticism, but it felt like they were trying to cling to something that wasn't alive for them anymore. And so I knew I still wanted to leave with a lot of love in my heart for that place and these people. And yeah, I, from there, it was like a lot of, traveling and visiting various people and yeah just the big kind of culture shock of there's this big thing that's so big in my heart and important and most people don't understand it and certainly most people especially in our age and demographic kind of see like an interest in religion is like okay I don't like I don't know what to do with that but I'm probably judging you for it (laughs)
1: I I hate to try and boil like the whole rest of the story down into one question, (laughs) but like there kind of is one, which is like you left, you went to seek these other aspects of life and practice that were calling to you. Your practice has blossomed into this vast and diverse and interrelated relational thing Mm -hmm. that that in a world infinitely bigger than a monastery The question I have about it is where is, where is Zen in that relationship Mm -hmm. for you now? Of
0: course. Well, I remember that was something that I would sometimes worry about when I was at the monastery is right. I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to find a job and make money and be, you know, a person in the world. And how does this time, like it's useful, but it's also useless. You know what I mean? Like the Zen people love talking about how useless
1: everything is, at least the practice. Very good at discouraging the wrong kind of people from checking it out.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, you gotta, right, there's things are occulted for a reason, Mm -hmm. as they say. Mm -hmm. But virtually everything that I am passionate about today, I either started doing at the monastery or I like transformed my relationship to it at the monastery. I started practicing tarot and astrology at the monastery um i started practicing ceramics i like had the confidence to you know start singing and join the choir there you know i've always been a writer and considered myself a creative person but it wasn't until just tons of meditation and work on myself and particularly this week-long painting workshop Mm -hmm. this grub old man who i keep mentioning i was really obsessed with this guy named Stuart cubley who would come in and you would just have these like Papers on a wall and a ton of paints, and you would just paint, and you would like have this teachers come around and like talk to you about it, and you would paint a picture until you decided it was done. Mm-hmm. And you would just do that again and again all week. And that was, you know, super transformative of like, hey, I am judging and trying to edit my work before I even get it out there. Um, and yeah, so I guess in some ways, Zen is in everything I do um it's you know it's in me when people say oh wow like I never notice when you're upset like you never Mm -hmm. like take it out on anyone else like and I'm like my mind it's like how of course like that is one of like the main teachings is to right be able to like be spacious enough to like fit all of your feelings inside of them and know that like reacting or putting it on other people is just going to spread that I mean, I see it in just my ability to like listen to clients and, um, regulate myself and love myself. I mean, it's very practical on some level, right? I, I feel like I use like, you know, I meditate every day. I use like the mindfulness exercises just right because that's where I go when I, when I feel lost. It's like, it's something to always fall back on, you know, but of course, those are the more mundane, you know, applications of it, but. But there's so much to it that, as I'm sure you understand, like you can't say. Or it's just, you can't speak to it.